and welcome back for hour five, our final hour at the Continuity and Resilience Today conference here in Toronto, 2022. Uh, James, we've uh, been talking each other's ears off today and uh, got lots to say. We have. We've made it to the two o'clock hour. This hour is brought to you by Stone Road, a firm that aims to reduce corporate suffering by helping companies identify, prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. Thank you, Stone Road, for sponsoring the final segment of day one of Continuity and Resilience today. Does that, does that not, description not sound familiar? It sounds a little familiar. Yeah, I, I thought so. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to start off this hour um, talking to you about something that I had heard uh, the other day. Uh, well, actually, it would be about a week ago now from a senior executive at an executive uh, company where I'm working. And he said that because they've made it through COVID and they got through COVID and dealt with it, that they can manage any other disaster or crisis now. You know, they're, they're well prepared. And to, to be honest, I was, um, how do you put it? Gobsmacked. Nice work. You know, and uh, I don't think that's true. Just because you got through COVID. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, getting messages while we're talking here. Uh, I don't think that's true. Just because we made it through COVID does not mean that we can uh, respond to every other disaster. Uh, an earthquake is not going to have the same impact that a uh, uh, COVID has or you know, a burning building is different situation. An active shooter is a different situation. And I don't think the learnings from COVID, uh, some of it maybe, you know, there, there will be some learnings that, that can carry on through to other situations, communications and things like that. But I don't think that's fair or, or the right thing to say for any executive to think that because they've come through COVID, they can address any disaster or crisis now. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, a few segments ago, we spoke about how you have to go through a situation to be resilient. Mm -hmm. That's the positive aspect. But I think what you're talking about is the negative aspect. You go through a situation, you become arrogant that you think you're bulletproof. And that's not necessarily the case at all. Yes, we have many organizations have survived uh, the biggest pandemic in the last hundred years. But what does that have to do with ransomware or an active shooter or reputational damage? A little bit is similar, but a lot is very different. And um, I think what you're going to see over the next few years, you're going to see some organizations who are overconfident and say, hey, you know, we don't need to we don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to, we don't need to plan for this. We don't need to have this as management focus because we know what to do. But to me, that's a faulty argument because that'd kind of be like, well, you know, we trained and ran a marathon five years ago. So tomorrow we're going to go do another one. We should be good, <laughs> right? I've already done one. I know what it takes. I've got my shoes and my gels and my tape. And I'm just going to go bang 26.2 miles out tomorrow. What's going to happen? Fall flat on your face, hurt. You'll exactly. be in the hospital. Exactly. So I would like that once you were gobsmacked, what was your response? Well, I got it. Did you respond? 
I didn't actually respond right then and there because I was too floored by, I, I think my jaw just kind of like, what? How can you equate all disasters to be exactly the same? You know, I, and maybe his involvement wasn't as much as he thinks it was. Uh, and maybe from his perspective, his role, he could manage a disaster. Yeah. But overall, I, no, there's, there's no way. You know, the, I, I mentioned, you know, there may be some learnings you can take, communications. Maybe he saw that the uh, crisis management team that was involved was working really well together. Oh, then we should be able to address it. So from his perspective, we can get through any disaster. I, when I step back, I, I, even though I was still floored by what he said, I don't think he really meant and was trying to equate, and if he was, wow, that, you know, uh, a tower on fire, a towering inferno, is going to be the same as an active shooter or an earthquake that suddenly happens or a tornado or outside a snowstorm right now. You know, I don't think he could uh, really see the same situation each, each time. I think he saw one little piece of it and, and thinks that because that went well, or I was a part of these one weekly meetings, they, because they went well, then we can deal with everything. But the next situation you may not be involved with, you know, or the, his boss may be involved with, and he has a lesser part to play. So, uh, you know, it, it was just really surprising to hear somebody say that. Yeah, that, you know, it gets me thinking back when we talked about some of the differences between business continuity and resilience. And that's one of the stark things for me is, is business continuity may be focused on a single building or a single business process or department, resilience is the whole organization, the entire community, the whole family. And I think, like you said, maybe this person saw bits and pieces and what they had to lead or manage in terms of the pandemic was successful, but was everything successful mm -hmm. for the organization? And sometimes you just get lucky with things right and i don't think people like to admit that just we spoke about earlier about how people often don't want to admit that they're wrong or they're not in a culture that they can admit mistakes i think people don't want to admit sometimes they just get lucky yeah in life no matter how much you plan or your forethought or sometimes it's just something happened that you had no control over that you had no idea was going to happen but it happened in your favor and luck is you know a part of life and sometimes you just put in new sprinkler systems and then the building caught on fire was that risk management was that mitigating risk was that luck you know it's a little bit of yeah. a little bit of everything some organizations were more suited to um being not prepared for COVID, but if you have all um, people in cubicles or back office, and now we need to work from home, that's an easier transition than we run a retail store. Mm -hmm. So some of that is luck in terms of the specific event that happened was easier to manage for some organizations than other. It just became a resource and technology issue which is an easier fix. Yeah. What scares me a little bit too about what he said is that now he could be chipping away at some of the support 
for uh, pandemic initiatives or crisis management initiatives, business continuity, resilience, whatever, could be chipping away at some of that support because now he is in the uh, has the perception that you know we can get through any disaster yeah. so that means everything and other people are going to think oh then that means everything we have is fine i don't need to answer this questionnaire uh, from alex or go go attend alex's uh, uh, learning session or training session or whatever the case may be because we're already fine and then something's going to hit down the road and it's going to hit worse yeah. than it was, would have if things had continued on the path they were. So it can be really detrimental just by saying that. Exactly. I can't help but think that um, the Artemis One rocket launched at 1 a.m. this morning. And that was a huge news story and meant a lot to NASA and space acceleration. But to go back to your analogy, you know, the United States went to the moon multiple times between 1969 and 1972, 73, yeah. somewhere in there. And then uh, NASA and the government decided, okay, we've done that. Why should we keep doing that? And then you you flash forward 50 years and you're like, oh, if, if we want to go to Mars, if we want to do deep space exploration, you still have to leave the atmosphere we need to restart those things that we were doing 50 years ago. Mm. Now, now, now we have the, the fact that I'm talking about a rocket launch at one in the morning would have seemed absurd to me in the 1980s during the space shuttle program. But now it's a big deal because we had that mentality. Oh, we've already done that. We don't have to do that anymore. And just to your point, okay, we survived this incident. So let's de-emphasize Alex's workshop or let's postpone that training. Or how many times have you heard, and I know everyone who's listening has heard this, oh, we had an incident this year. We don't need to do an exercise, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I yeah. wasn't going to exercise the thing that just happened, but how many, how many companies, like, we must do an exercise every 12 months unless there's an incident. And then you're like, okay, cool. But the incident happened January 1, so you're going to roll till next June, 18 months without doing anything? And circumstances change over the time too. Correct. You know, if if uh, you've got an executive saying we went through the, the pandemic, you know, we can deal with any crisis. Okay, that's all based on a certain set of people, processes, plans, conditions that are in existence at that time. Six months down the road, half of those people could be in new roles. Some could have left the company. Yeah. Um, you could have acquired a new company. You could have. Uh, stopped a certain line of business um any anything can happen new employees in different areas so a, a, a fire could come along and impact you completely differently you know and anything you think you learned during the during covid isn't applicable you know your communication channels are different your stakeholders are different you know your uh, expectations you have a new client who has different expectations now you know, uh, you, they may have been more accommodating through COVID. Uh, okay, through COVID, do we expect, you know, 48 hours to 72 hours as a response? Okay, well, now you're out of COVID. We expect 24 hours, yet you're still thinking and still have the processes 48, for 48, 72. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, you know, we're not saying that you didn't learn anything during COVID or what you didn't learn is relevant, but that overconfidence becomes arrogance, that over-reliance on 
things that diminish over time. And I like your example, you know, following up, speaking about quiet quitting, people leave the organization. And sometimes we talked about luck. You may have this phenomenal leader who, like I know one organization, they survived and thrived through COVID because of one phenomenal, amazing person. And if that person's not at that organization next time, you're going to do what? Like if that person just was like, here, I'll throw the whole organization on my back and I will carry you through this. That's not a great plan. That's not how you become resilient. No, you're setting yourself up for failure down the road, really. Because if you are relying on one person, you've got a single point of knowledge that as soon as that person leaves, out goes the knowledge with them, you know, and don't we address that in our continuity plans? And single our points process? of failure. Yeah, exactly. Well, I call, I call a person single point of contact or a single point of knowledge. You know, systems and plans fail, people don't. People fail me all the time, Alex. So I'm going <laughs> to, you're too nice. I'm going to go ahead and say it. People can fail. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's, uh, I want to look at, you know, we're at Continuity and Resilience today. Thank you to Dan Joyce and his team for hosting us here, for having us in the exhibit hall. I want to look at a few sessions that occurred either, well, one's occurring right now, uh, because I think it aligns with some of the things we've spoken about talk to you about some of the speakers. Uh, so here's one gentleman, Alex, that I, I know you know, you've interviewed Robert Quigley. Yeah. Uh, he is speaking in five minutes on avoid the great attrition by focusing on, you're never going to guess, employee life work balance <laughs> rather than work life balance. So you're saying put the life in front of the work. So I thought it was interesting. Um, the summary is how to recognize employee choices they have made in their lives to accommodate and empower them. It would be interesting to hear what he has to say, considering what we were just talking about um, and quiet quitting. I think for one of our future broadcasts, you have always mentioned this. We need to figure out how to be mobile with our audio visual. Yeah. I, I don't know how the speakers would that. feel. I would love to wander into his session <laughs> right I, now for one or two minutes. I wanted to do that. Yeah. Uh, if you're out there and you're listening and you're an AB geek, hit us up. We are looking to be portable. We might uh, bother some speakers and participants. There's another one here I thought was interesting. Uh, Rebecca Macklin, manager of strategic partnerships and public education for the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, going back to something we spoke about earlier today, she is speaking coming up, how to create a culture shift towards preparedness. Uh, and she says, together, we can encourage the people in our communities to develop disaster risk reduction behaviors and contribute to a cultural shift towards preparedness. I like that uh, because, you know, we spoke earlier about CERT and mm -hmm. the power of CERT and uh, cultural shift at the community level, cultural shift with organizations at the management level should be a great session. Another session I wish we could crash yeah. live. I'd like to hear that because I know we've said it actually on the talking a few times is that for, for many, 
leadership, organizations, communities, it, it's a culture of response first. You know, it, we will respond to a disaster instead of prepare for a disaster. But like we've already talked to different people uh, today and amongst ourselves, that things are happening all the time now and multiple yeah. situations are happening. And as time goes by, it seems to compound and get bigger and bigger and bigger. So we have to prepare for it now. You know, it, it's not a case of how do we respond to this? No, prepare for it because it's, it's happening, period. Whether you like it or not. It's floating right on our heads. Prepare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't say respond for the <laughs> yeah, unexpected. prepare for the unexpected. Any other ones that you saw that uh, might ring a, ring a bell? Uh, one last I'll mention today's uh, little sneak preview, the, the, the keynote, the closing keynote speaker today, somebody you might have heard of, Alex, Regina Phelps. I don't know who it is. Speaking <laughs> on the long tail of COVID, the long-term impacts of the pandemic on individuals and society. A little later in our segment, um, we'll give everyone the schedule. Regina is one of our guests tomorrow. Yep. Always a great time. Regina was giving us grief off camera earlier yeah. this morning, Making which faces. we will, uh, you know, hey, let's go, will... let's go crash her segment and do exactly. that. Let's <laughs> see if we do that. <laughs> I think Regina is joining us at uh, one o'clock tomorrow, I think, something like that. Okay. Yeah, somewhere around one o'clock. So. And I'll ask you a question uh, later this afternoon. There's an afternoon mixer. All are invited to the afternoon mixer. Says a perfect way to end the day with peers. So I asked this question at the conference in London. Uh, got some very mixed and interesting responses. Alex, what are your thoughts? How do you personally feel about the happy hours, the the mixers, the cocktail hours at conferences? Are you pro or con? Uh, well, I don't drink. So yes. um, there's that. Yes. Um, taking that out, uh, it, it's well known. I make no secret that I'm a you know uh, um, an introvert. So after spending hours of talking and being surrounded by people, by the time it gets to the the mixers, I'm kind of okay. Everyone, go away, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, I, I need to recharge my batteries. You know, uh, I need some downtime of, of my own at some point. Uh, so. I, I don't think, think anything's wrong with them overall. You know, I, th I think they're great, great for networking and, you know, chatting because uh, at that time of day, everybody, hopefully, has kind of uh, uh, metaphorically let down their hair, you know, and just kind of relaxed and say, okay, I'm comfortable being with people again in a live event. Um, now let's just kind of chat informally, you know, about sessions that maybe I've seen today. So I think, I think there's a lot of benefit to them for those um, and, but personally, as an introvert, I kind of like the, okay, leave me alone. Or if I'm attending, I'm the one in the corner, you know, with, so. I'm like you, I find with Mark them, Hoffman. With know, Mark, Mark yeah, Hoffman. Yeah, he and I in the speaking corner. to shout out to uh, my buddy, Mark Hoffman. He, he took me out to dinner last night. Very nice. But yeah, it got me thinking. He was sharing with me at a conference that um, he likes to get to them early. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot of work for him. I find them, for me, I'm always aspirational when I look at a conference agenda. Yeah, I'm going to be at breakfast at 7 in the morning, and I'm going to go to sessions till 5, and I'm going to do the mixer, 
And then I'm going to go to the vendor dinner. And then I'm going to go back to my room and work for three hours and wake up at 4am and work out and never sleep. Um, and then the first day hits and I'm like, you know, I'm reevaluating this process. I'm going to skip the mixer, um, catch up on email, talk to my family, go to bed early. I was, uh, I was so excited for today's broadcast. I woke up at three in the morning and I was looking around. I was like, it's a little early. It's a little early. <laughs> I'm, like, an early I'm an early riser and that's early I, for me. I was like, what do I do now? Uh, so I was very productive this morning. If you got an email from me between three and five, I apologize. <laughs> but that's the time I had. So afternoon mixers. Um, you know, one thing that will be interesting, I've, this is the first conference I've been to, Alex, where it's been snowing now. Have you really? ever been to a conference? In, well, you're Canadian. I'm Canadian, so, Canadian, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I tend to go to the conferences in California, in Arizona. So usually it's like during that last session, should I go to the pool? Or should I go to that last session? Should I go to that refreshment break? Here, we're staring at, um, what's the weatherman say? He says it's cold and well, snowy. We're uh, supposed to get some more snow. I know that which yes. is probably why I'll be leaving a little early. It's gray yeah. and cold and snowy. We're currently in a room without any windows. feels like a casino. So I don't know if it's light out, dark out, blizzard. No, very bright uh, though. Yes, you there tell. are, you know, uh, it's funny, you know, talking about different definitions of resilience. When Alex and I were preparing for this conference and based on some other broadcasts, we did, we had some concerns about would the lighting be bright enough? And as you can see by the shininess of our faces, we ended up right underneath. There the is a lot <laughs> of lighting. We had to change out some of our backgrounds and green screens because it's so bright in here that um, our communications platform got grouchy. Yeah. yeah. So again, I think that goes to preparing for the unexpected. We were focused on well, we think these three things might be the challenges for our broadcast or for our business or for our lives. And then those three things were amazing. And it was these things over here, these other bumps in the night yeah. that we had, uh, thank the microphone four, right? Who would have thought yeah, we'd we, be on we microphone our, four? I did my, the testing with Voice America last night, have the exact same setup last night at home, the same microphones plugged into everything the exact same way and yet today those microphones refuse to work so we we have our backup thank goodness for for james bringing his backup microphone um my checked they, bag full of electronics yeah. that immigration wanted to poke through i'm very thankful they did a very thorough job they didn't take anything so i'm great for that but it turns out if you carry a microphone and cameras and extension cords and power packs and hand sanitizers in your luggage, they will want to see what you're doing. Yeah, what are you up to? Yeah. Well, we got through it. We, we, we're recording. We're getting the message out there. So what can we finish up on? We've got, uh, what, 20 minutes left? We have 20 we... minutes. So <clears throat> let's figuratively and literally open up a can of worms. You said yeah. you wanted to open up a can of worms. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to know why people are afraid to open up a can of worms. Well, in our case, it's because we turn a five-minute segment into an hour and a half. <laughs> but yeah, 
True. <laughs> but no, but seriously though, let, let's uh, give us your opinion on a can of worms. Well, I, we, we kind of touched on it once before, uh, I don't know, about a year ago or something where we mentioned that in our roles as business continuity or resilience or crisis managers, whatever the case may be, when we identify a risk or an issue, a problem, something that we see in our plans or processes uh, um, or communications, we shouldn't be afraid to bring that forward. And unfortunately, there we keep encountering sometimes people that are saying, no, we don't want to open, we know about that, we don't want to open up that can of worms. But then when that can of worms gets opened somewhere else through either a project or something else that's happening, it ends up coming back to us anyway, going, well, if you knew about this, why didn't you say something? So I'm wondering, how do we how do you deal with that? Because part of me wants to bring it forward and open the can of worms, and I always do. You know, um, I, I've told people that I work with right now, I said, well, if you want to convey a bad message, let me do it, because I'm not afraid to say anything. But uh, that's not always the case. You end up with a director or vice president. No, no, I don't want them to know about that. You know, and, and that's when sometimes reports or some of our statuses get watered down because people are afraid to open up the can of worms. And it gives wrong perceptions to leadership thinking that, oh, everything's tickety-boo. We're all wonderful. Everything's in a great, great standing. And so I wanted to, to talk about that, why sometimes we are afraid you know, to open uh, up that can of worms and why we don't just go and do it. Yeah, I think because if, if you look at it, that's a very good point. If you look at it rationally, these problems don't just go away. It's very rare where this sort of Damocles hanging over our head, we just look up, it's magically gone. But I think for a lot of people, maybe fundamentally, they're just in denial about if I don't want to talk about this problem because then it doesn't feel real. Yeah. But by doing that, it becomes a bigger problem. Um, I always share with my, my kids, when you get in trouble, when you do something stupid in life, and you will, that's how you grow, the earlier you tell your dad, the sooner I can help you solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can wait and let this thing fester and you can hide it. Or like you said, well, we don't we won't take this issue to management. It will come out. Right. It's just a matter of when uh, I was recently listening to a podcast series on the Volkswagen diesel scandal oh, yeah, and yeah. how they, you know, engineered those cars under test conditions to show much lower emissions than they actually had. And there was a lot of post-mortem around who knew what, when, and were those people like, did people know at the very top, did the CEO know from the start, if not when? And I thought it was interesting, like at what point did someone tell their CEO, like, hey, this thing has happened? Who had the courage to bring that up? And, you know, maybe instead of being in denial or aggressively fighting state of California regulators on it, if they would have been proactive on it, they probably wouldn't have had the massive financial fines mm -hmm. and damage to their reputation that they had. Yeah, and that when, <clears throat> if there's a can of worms to, to deal with, let's say, uh, regarding crisis management, you know, uh, you have a person that is stopping, it's becoming a bottleneck, you know, it's hindering you, 
yes, it's a delicate situation, but you got to bring it forward. You know, you, you have to say that, you know, Alex is not working out in that position. You know, maybe he's better off helping us out in this area here. Um, there, there's delicate ways of doing that. You know, HR is trained to do those kind of things. You know, some managers are too. Uh, but you have to bring that forward or otherwise you're going to end up with a real situation. And I'm conveying the wrong message to, to media. Yeah. You know, and I'm causing more problems, you know, when all that needed to happen was to have a culture that allowed, you know, somebody to say, hey, Alex isn't the right person in, in that role. You know, and, and by, by hiding it or trying to keep it locked inside that can, we create bigger issues down the road and even some of them are unforeseen because we have no idea what could happen, what I could turn around and say if I'm the crisis manager with no training. Yeah, and I understand that. I hear people say to me, I don't want to have an awkward conversation. Of course you don't want to have an awkward conversation. The word awkward is in there for a reason. No one ever says, I don't want to have a pleasant conversation. Yeah. I don't want to have an awkward conversation. But I would rather have that awkward conversation early when it's still small, yeah. when there's something you can do about it, then when it's too late and I say, right. you know, I'd rather have the conversation, hey, Alex, uh, Mr. CEO, we have some issues with the design of this product as opposed to, uh, I'm sorry, Alex, we have to file for bankruptcy because yeah. we sold 10 million of these things and now we're getting sued and they're recalled. Like yeah. those are both awkward conversations one, the first one, opening that can of worms early, you have an opportunity to fix something. Yeah. If you wait until the end, the can explodes. Yeah, and then it's too late. You, it, it's, what do you, you can't put, uh, oh, there's an expression, you can't put something back in the box. Either. We're going to say you can't put, for today only, you can't put worms back in the can. Yeah, you can't put the worms back in the can. I know there's an expression about that. And yes. I can't remember it. But. There's lots of better expressions. Cats out but of the bag. For today, cats, cats out, out of the bag. bag. That's it. Yeah. More confusing. Why was the cat in the bag in the first place? <laughs> yeah, really. But uh, my cat would not like being in a bag. So, Alex, let's do a, a recap of today, if that's okay. Can sure. you even remember? What did we talk about? We, um, we've had some amazing guests today. We had Kevin Newman. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I wanted to take like a selfie, but I thought that would be unprofessional. But yeah, I was like, he's I, kind I, of a big deal. I kind of wanted this. I was like, can we? I was like, excuse me, sir. Uh, so if you're watching, we we missed that. Uh, we had some great. We do have some of it recorded. Uh, yes, so, we did have some technical issues when we got started. Yeah, so we. But we really appreciate. Um, you know, we 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 tried to get him for a while. Him and his team were very accommodating. accommodating. And Kevin was very gracious. Uh, that was phenomenal. So what a great conversation we had with him. Some, about people, some people, I just wanted to chime in. Yeah. Some people may not realize, but in I, I know Americans may know Kevin Newman from ABC. And Good Morning, uh, Good Morning America. America. Yeah. But for years, he was a top journalist in Canada on Global National and other uh, stations as well. He was very well known. It's kind of Kind of like having a uh, Sam Donaldson or somebody, you know, uh, come and sit down with us. So it was a great, uh, I was thrilled 
great to, to conversation. Have and he was here, his keynote speech, Lessons from Disasters, Past, Present, and Future, very powerful. We spent some time with uh, Francis Raveneau, who dialed in remotely. So we did a live broadcast with someone remote, like three parties. I'm not even sure. I'm not even smart enough to grasp how we did all that. He had some really interesting things to say around drones and search and rescue and, and first responders. Quiva uh, Culleton, who I've known for several years and have never met in person, she's with HPE, came and spent some time with us. She also brought us chocolate. We had some of it. We appreciate the bribes. Great. They were fantastic. We've had some great uh, sponsors and advertisers mm -hmm. Base today. Camp, well, you mentioned Francis from ba Base, Base Camp, Camp Connect. Connect, Illuminate Advisory, Stone, Stone Road. Road, Resilience Think Tank. And since we got a few minutes, uh, we can give a little preview yeah. of what we have tomorrow. We have scheduled to appear. I've never said that. That's kind of scheduled exciting. To scheduled yeah. to appear. Uh, Chloe Demrovsky with DRI. You, uh, she's very. I, I've seen her on Forbes these days, on CNBC. Another uh, very famous person, mm -hmm. I guess, in our our industry. Uh, also scheduled to appear. Um, Brock. I don't know Brock's last name, so I'm Brock not even going to check. Brock Hollowichuk. He, he is with uh, Disaster Recovery Institute Canada. Canada. He. Uh, uh, He's the sitting chair of the uh, certification commission, of which I'm the uh, a member of the certification commission as well. I'm a commissioner. I'm going to have some questions for both of you. Uh, as we mentioned, Regina Phelps will be here tomorrow. Um, We're going to do my first ever live Thursday thoughts That's at 11:30 right, yeah. Eastern. I can't re-record that, so we're going to let that fly. And our sponsors tomorrow. Are we recording that here? right here yeah like right here so we're, we're recording ourselves recording you yes oh interesting it's okay. recordception and we can talk <laughs> about that in in real time um our sponsors tomorrow illuminate advisory stone road and the resilience think tank and then tomorrow night going to a hockey game yeah. probably won't be broadcasting live i wish we could broadcast live we'll see if i can we get need, on a zamboni You'll have pictures. I think we need permission from the NHL, don't we? We so probably we need, anything. you know, felony <laughs> trespassing and media yeah. rights and blah, blah, blah. Maybe I, we'll get a, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I actually had to look up how to uh, get downtown to the Scotia Center because it's been 15, 16 years <laughs> since I was on the subway station uh, system in Toronto. So I'm a huge hockey fan, go Lightning. Never been to a game in Toronto. I'm excited. Uh, thank you for getting us tickets. We'll take some pictures, secretly broadcast. Yeah, we'll see if we can get into a locker room or on a Zamboni or something. Try and get something, yeah. We'll see what we can do. Also, uh, for those of you interested, the BCI Awards will be live tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, broadcast through the BCI. We might have some comments yes, about Jay, that. You're going to have, well, James has his laptop over here. Yeah. And uh, as they announce the winners, if Assuming that it gets announced on the yeah that we, we get them in good time that uh, we'll convey that along as well who the winners are yeah and so that's our that was a recap of today that's our tomorrow um, five hours flies by it does maybe not for our poor producing partners at Voice America who have had to put up with us 
since nine o'clock this morning. They're probably ready to call it a day and have a drink or six. Yeah. But for myself, it's flown by. It has. It's flown by uh, really quickly. Um, I know. Uh, I wonder if he's if he was listening. Uh, I guess I've got to thank Josh uh, at Voice America for uh, helping us out and uh, getting everything working. Um, I know Josh had stepped in for Aaron at Voice yeah. America. I just wanted to uh, first thank you, Josh, for stepping in and helping out. Second, uh, to Aaron, who was going to be helping us. Um, he got in an accident yesterday, um, and uh, I did talk to him on the phone this morning, so it seems as though he's okay, but I'm sure he's probably shaken up a little bit. Um, but uh, all the best to Aaron. Hopefully he feels better soon. And I think uh, tomorrow we probably have Josh or somebody else uh, uh, with us, um, we'll probably find out. Uh, they'll probably send me a note at some point here if they're listening to me. They've probably fallen asleep at this point. But yeah, thank you to Voice America. Thank you to the April and Dan at Continuity yeah. Resilience today. Thank you to all of our advertisers, all of our sponsors, all the exhibitors here. Alex, what's one thing you've learned today? Do you have a, a resilience or risk lesson that you've that you yeah, check everything twice <laughs> tested twice not just once <laughs> oh my goodness i think i think you know that there's so many different things um, but I, I i think you know just going through this uh, is the big big thing for me and trying to figure out how it all works uh, i've actually i've enjoyed figuring it out we have a soundboard here you know extended desktops and uh, you know, tablet with cameras and everything and trying to coordinate everything has been an incredible learning experience for me. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get one thing to work, even though it worked last night. Um, but still, that, that's the big, big learning for me. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to, again, actually be in my home area. You know, I don't live in Toronto, but home area, at least, and to see people uh, again that I know. Um, yeah, my biggest surprise from today is that we've only had one person interrupt the live broadcast who thought we were just talking to ourselves. Uh, and even more fun when we let the person know that we were broadcasting live and would they like to join us said no, but continue to tell us their story. So that's something I won't soon forget. I think my my lesson is that uh, complexity raises the level of risk. Looking around at, uh, I wish we could move the camera around, get a shot of all the equipment and all of the wires and everything that we have here. When something goes bump in the night, as it always does, it makes it much more interesting to troubleshoot. So I'm looking forward. We're going to be announcing some conferences we'll be at next year, hopefully later this year. I'm looking forward to streamlining our equipment yeah. processes. Um, very excited about that. Thankful that we could be here today. Thankful. I'm really thankful that our my hotel, the host hotel that everyone's at, is a mile away because the road conditions are a mess right now. <laughs> and worst case scenario, I can walk back to the hotel if I need to. <laughs> oh, well, I got to drive half an hour drive away and with if the roads are that bad well it'll be longer than an hour alex might be sleeping under this table yeah tonight. or on it or on it <laughs> well we have basically come to the end we have five more minutes uh any final 
thoughts, comments? Uh, I'm looking through our list here. Yeah, you know, like I said, I want to thank this hour. This last hour of day one of broadcast was brought to you by Stone Road, a firm that aims to reduce corporate suffering by helping companies identify, prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situation. Uh, we couldn't put this broadcast on without all of our sponsors. So thank you to all of our sponsors. I do have some thoughts, but I will share them tomorrow live during Thursday thoughts. I think I'm more nervous about that than anything tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know what I, I agreed to, but we made it to the end of day one. Yep. Something that a lot of people said we couldn't do uh, or shouldn't do maybe. And here we are. So I'm excited. Day one was amazing. I'm even more excited about day two. We made it through. We had even people calling in and uh, made it through. So it's been a great day. I had a lot of fun and great chats, of course, with great company. So I think on that note, we can say goodbye. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thanks, everyone.